If you have a Bible, please open up to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs will be toward the back of the book in chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. If you do not have a Bible, all you have to do is raise your hand and one of our ushers will let you borrow one of ours. If you don't own one, we would love for you to keep that one as our gift to you. If you do own one and you just forgot it, all you have to do is leave it in the seat when you are finished and we'll get it after service. Proverbs chapter 30. In just a second, we'll look at verses 7 to 9. Today, get really excited, we're talking about money. I know, everybody loves going to church talking about money. Woo! Until you're pumped. I don't know about you, but I actually have lots of memories about money and with money. Some of y'all are like, that's a weird thing to admit. It's true, though. Um, one of my strongest memories was collecting state quarters. Anybody else ever do that? They started making state quarters. The first one they put out was Delaware. I even had the nice little display case thing, and I was like, man, these are going to be worth so much one day. These are so cool. And I'll never forget showing them to my granddad and being all excited, and he really brought me back down to earth and was like, I'll give you 25 cents for one. And I was like, oh, Thanks. Another memory I have is when the uh, new, I'm sure it's all different now, but then it was the new $20 bill came out. Maybe y'all don't remember that, but I remember because it was the first U.S. money that had watermark on it. And I remember holding that thing up to light and being able to see the other face and being like, this is so cool. See, some of y'all have money memories. Some of y'all are thinking of other ones right now. What's cool, though, is about all these coins and bills is in the United States, all of them have four words on them. In God we trust. In God we trust. Now, normally when that gets brought up at church, people want to point to the irony of, well, it's kind of a secular society, should we really have that? But I actually want to point us to another irony that actually applies inside the church, too. And it's the fact that it says, in God we trust, but oftentimes we place more trust in those bills and in those coins than we do in God. That may not seem like a problem most days to us, because you say, hey, money pays the bills, keeps me full, gives my clothes, all this kind of stuff. Great. Amen. And then something like the coronavirus happens. And then you see that the whole global economy is actually a pretty frail thing. That literally a virus can break out and suddenly people are losing stock money and all kinds of stuff. Some of y'all are like, this is a little too close to home already, Pastor Jake. What are you doing? Trying to get in your backyard a little bit. Trying to help you see that this is very relevant for us right now. And the truth is, at this point in Proverbs, what we've been doing is tracing themes throughout the back parts of Proverbs because it's kind of collected sayings. And what's really difficult about this sermon is there's no single proverb that tells you everything that the Bible says or everything that even Proverbs says about money. In fact, Proverbs has been weaponized often. Usually people pick like whatever their opinion on money is and, they, and then they find their one proverb that says that and they may like hold it over your head. Some of y'all may have grown up in a church like that. Maybe you had a parent like that. I don't know. But you pick the one that's kind of on your side and you just roll with it. What we're going to try to do today is see what all of Proverbs has to say about money in general. We won't say everything that could be said. If you go check it out later, just go Google like Proverbs about money. You will see there are way more than we're even going to look at. We're about to look at a bunch. But I do think in Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9, we at least find the heart of what the book of Proverbs says about money. Read along silently as I read aloud. Two things I ask of you. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal. 
profaning the name of my God. This is the word of God. Today's sermon is simply, simply titled, Neither Poverty Nor Wealth. Right there in the text. Neither poverty nor wealth. And we're going to look at this today by breaking it down in this super unique, creative way that I came up with. Our first point is going to be poverty. And we're going to look at what Proverbs says about that. I know, just really cool. I can't believe I came up with that all on my own. Poverty. Now, a lot of things get said about poverty, especially using the Bible as that. And one of the first things I want us to see is that we could be in poverty, if you're in poverty, or if you know someone who is, a person could be in poverty because of foolishness. It's a true thing. This is something that you may like to hear or may not like to hear, but it is a true thing. Proverbs 10.4, well, as I go through all these Proverbs, we'll have them on the screen so you can make note of them if you want, but if you have trouble flipping around, we're going to try to have them up here because we'll have so many covered. Proverbs 10.4 says, Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. There it is, right? That's the whole sermon. Don't be lazy. Go get to work. Some of you all may have heard this one. Um, the culture that I grew up in often said, yeah, you know, if somebody's poor, it's just because they're not willing to work hard. They're not willing to get out and do what it takes, not willing to get their hands dirty. They, they, they really just need to go get a job and figure it out. Some of y'all are like, yes, that's right. Some of y'all are so offended right now. I wish you could see your faces. This is kind of unique. But the truth is, it is possible that if someone is in poverty, it could be because they've had idle hands. It could be on you. And that's something we need to consider. But as we've said, no single proverb is going to tell us the whole story. It could also be because of wastefulness. Proverbs 21.17 says, The one who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will not get rich. If you just spend your money on stuff you don't really need, guess what? You're not going to have money. I know, shocker. First church I pastored, there was a couple there. We got to baptize them, praise the Lord. Um, but in becoming Christians, they started kind of reevaluating their lives, and they were really struggling financially. And when we sat down with them and helped them make a budget and see where their money was going, we realized that both this man and his wife were both two-pack-a-day smokers. Now, if you're a smoker, I'm not condemning you to hell. But if you're looking at your budget, and you've got four packs a day going out of your wallet, suddenly we know where your money's going. And when they saw how much it was a month, they realized, we've got to make a change. Maybe they had never thought about it before, maybe they had never considered it, but it really is a good example of this proverb just being true. If we spend our money on things we don't absolutely need, we won't have money. Now, poverty could be because someone has been foolish. We've seen that in these couple. But what may be surprising for some of you if you were raised in a culture like mine is someone may be in poverty not because of foolishness. In fact, we get multiple other reasons. One is that it may be injustice. Proverbs 13.23 says, The uncultivated field of the poor yields abundant food, but without justice, it is swept away. You can be a victim of systemic injustice. Now, again, a lot of y'all, when I say systemic injustice, we, we put on our political hats and we start dividing. Like, oh, he's using social justice warrior terms. Chill out. We're talking about the Bible and what the Bible says right here, okay? Somebody may be in poverty right there in that, in that verse because they're without justice. It's possible. Maybe, maybe that's you. Now, remember, no single proverb tells the whole story, right? So don't forget that it might be idle hands. And if you've got idle hands, don't say, well, it's just injustice. Ah. 
But if it is injustice, then we, especially as Christians, should not look at someone and say, get it together, right? Martin Luther King Jr. famously talks about, don't tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps if they don't have bootstraps, right? Something to consider here about poverty. Maybe someone's in poverty because they refuse to do injustice. Proverbs 16, 8 says, better a little righteousness than income with injustice. Proverbs 28, 6 echoes this and says, better the poor person who lives with integrity than the rich one who distorts right and wrong. Maybe someone is in poverty because they had an opportunity for money and said no because it was unrighteous gain. Now, I think a lot of us are like, ooh, that sounds like a good category. I'll place myself there. Hang on now. We don't just get to choose which one we like. That's not, that's not how you evaluate your life. But it is possible when looking at other people to consider this may be, they may have actually made a righteous decision that led them to not have wealth. This last one may shock you. But again, it's coming out of the book here, okay? It might be that a person is in poverty because they are actually content with the Lord. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better a, little with, or better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. Maybe someone has said, I don't need all the worries of that. You know, as the modern prophet says, more money, more problems, right? Maybe somebody saw that and said, I, I don't need all that. I, I've got the Lord. I'm really content. He meets my needs. That's all I really need is him. Now, if you take that and Go back to, you know, the first proverb we looked at, and you say, I just trust the Lord, so I'm just not even going to work, and I'm just going to trust everything to come to me. Back to idle hands, right? No single proverb tells the whole story. But it is possible that someone is in poverty because they have contentment with the Lord. So that's what Proverbs widely tells us about poverty. Some of y'all have been itching since I started on this to be like, okay, just tell me how to make money. Does bring us to our next point, which is actually wealth. Wealth. Now, wealth, if we're looking at poverty and the common thing is, well, it's probably because of foolishness and we saw how it was or wasn't, wealth, it's usually, well, it's probably because of wisdom, right? And the thing is, it could be. Someone could be wealthy because of wisdom. Proverbs fourteen twenty four says, The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the foolishness of fools produces foolishness. We've talked about before how sometimes these proverbs are ones that you just need to like use like a jawbreaker and just kind of sit with for a while. That might be one to sit with, especially that last phrase. The foolishness of fools produces foolishness. It's good math right there. But the crown of the wise, notice that first part, is their wealth. So you, maybe you've made wise decisions with your money, wise investments. You've made a good budget. You've stuck to it. You've been generous with your money. You've done the things that God would want you to do. And maybe you do have wealth because of that. It's very possible. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility, the fear of the Lord, results in wealth, honor, and life. Taking a look at all my theologian friends in here, because I know some of y'all are like, oh, is he about to say, if I trust in the Lord, I get money? I'm saying possibly. According to that verse, I am not a health, wealth, prosperity gospel person. We'll say more about that in a little bit. But I'm saying it is possible. We have multiple examples in Scripture where there were kings or rulers or or people who were poor who got money. Maybe you forget this part, but when the Israelites were being brought out of Egypt, they plundered the Egyptians. Okay? So literally, they went from slavery to, like, the richest people there were. Okay? God might bless that way. 
Now understand when you read that proverb, you're like, no, this says it definitely results. That's not how proverbs work. It's not a law. It's not a strict rule that this is how it happens. It shows us patterns and things that could be happening. Because remember, no single proverb tells the whole story. Catching on to that? Now, someone also may be wealthy, but not because of wisdom. I know some of y'all are like, wait, I thought this was going to be telling us how to all get wealthy. Nope, not the point of today's sermon. Proverbs 21.6 says, Making a fortune through a lying tongue is a vanishing mist, a pursuit of death. That's a strong warning, y'all. It's a strong warning. You ever wake up and see the mist in the morning, kind of see the fog out? You ever notice how quickly it goes away? That's what this is trying to tell us. If we go about getting wealth in unrighteous ways by lying, by stealing, by pressing, that's not going to work out well. Now, it does say, notice it says making a fortune, so you might get the money, but it's not going to last and it's not going to fulfill. I can promise you that. Because it will not be anything to do with God. So first we looked at poverty, and then we looked at wealth, and now we're going to look at neither. What do I mean by that? First thing that we need to understand is Proverbs 22, 2. It says, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord makes them all. That's something really important for us to remember. As we talk about prosperity, as we talk about Poverty, anybody we look at, whatever financial state they're in, that person's made in the image of God. And they're worthy of our respect and honor and love. They have inherent dignity just because they exist. Okay? Sometimes, I think the church is actually better at looking at poor people and saying, yes, we want to honor this person's stuff. And we actually reject rich people because we doubt their motives. Y'all? Poverty is not always a curse. Wealth is not always a blessing. Either could be. Okay? So as we get to the neither, we've got to consider these things. Proverbs 23, 4, and 5 says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich, because you know better. Stop! As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Anybody else want to sing right there? Fly like an eagle. Okay. Next time you hear that song, you'll be like, oh, I'm thinking of money now. Why am I thinking of money? Because of the proverb. Proverb tells us that's what happens. But I love that just bluntness at the beginning. Don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. Anybody remember the old Michael Jordan commercial? I think it's become like a GIF now. You can say GIF if you want, but I'm saying GIF. Michael Jordan one. And he, it, I think it was like a drugs commercial, but he's like, stop it. Get some help. If you haven't, you should go check that out because Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. LeBron James haters, y'all can be quiet. Phillips said he wasn't going to talk about sports. I'm going to. Stop it if you're going after money. If you're here today, really, though, if that's all your pursuit, if that's all you think about, if you've been checking your email here to, to see what's going on with NASDAQ, stuff like that, if your mind is consumed with money, stop it right now. It's a fruitless pursuit, y'all. It's not worth it. You're wasting your life. Some of y'all say, man, that's harsh. You just said we could get wealth and it'd be a blessing. Yeah, but if you're obsessed with it and that's all you're pursuing after, you're missing a lot. Missing a lot. 
Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful person will have many blessings, but one in a hurry to get rich will not go unpunished. One in a hurry to get rich will not go unpunished. If that's what you're saying, is man, I've just got to you know, get to that first million, things will be good. You're putting your hope, you're putting your trust, you're putting your security in a place that can't sustain it. It won't hold up. Coming back to the text we read at the beginning, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. This is the only prayer we have in Proverbs. Two things I ask of you, requesting of the Lord here. Don't deny them to me before I die. Number one, keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. And number two, where we really want to focus today, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. How few of us have ever actually had a heartfelt prayer that said that? It actually reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. How he teaches us to pray. For our daily bread, meet our needs. But often we pray, Lord God, I've been really good this year. I just I need that speedboat. Just need it. No, we don't. God might give you a speedboat. I don't know. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to be shocked. Because you probably weren't going to use it for mission or for a good cause or whatever other excuse we make. Give me neither poverty nor... Some of you all laughing uncomfortably right now because you know these things or you've prayed these things. Right? Like, we know these people. Stop putting names. Stop elbowing each other. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Notice what he does here. We get a description of what could be a problem on either side. Otherwise, I might have too much or deny you, saying, who is the Lord? If we have too much wealth, we may become so dependent on it, we may become so dependent on self, that even if we don't say it with our mouths, our hearts, and our actions, say, who is the Lord? I've got this. If you've ever felt such security in your wealth that you just think you've got it, repent. That's a bad place to be. I don't care how much money you've got. On the other side, he says, or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Even recognizing that even if I don't have anything, that's still not a right for me to take from someone else. And the prayer there to keep me from that. So ultimately, neither poverty nor wealth should be the aim of a Christian. For some of you in here, that might be shocking. Maybe you were raised in a church that said, if you just believe and follow Jesus, you'll have everything you want. In fact, if you're not rich, you're probably not following Jesus the right way. You just need to name it and claim it. You just need to put those words of faith to work, right? Some of y'all may have been in a church where it was like, you're following after a guy like Shane Claiborne who says, we're supposed to sell everything. That's what he told, you know, the rich young ruler. So we're supposed to sell everything and all just live in cardboard boxes. And that's what God really wants for our lives. Neither of those extremes present what the whole Bible says. Either one might be true for your life. Everybody in here is like, I'm choosing the the wealthy one. Okay, that's not how it works. We trust the Lord to give us what we need. And if he sees that we need a cardboard box, we thank him for that cardboard box. And if he sees that we need wealth so that we may be generous and kind with it and glorify him with a life of righteousness, amen. But if we trust in money, 
we idolize money, we'll be in trouble. We've said here in this church before, but I think it's good to remind ourselves, oftentimes we only look at rich people and say they're the ones who are idolizing money, but y'all, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you could still be making an idol out of money. And that's not where we want to be. Jesus' words, as recorded in Matthew 6.24 and Luke 6.13, actually verbatim, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Did you get that last part? You cannot. It is impossible for you. To serve both God and money. So if you are serving money at all, you're serving money. Do we get that? I know this, have you noticed I've been trying to like push you a little bit from the beginning? Of like, I know we like money, I know we like, we may have a problem with money. We definitely have a problem with money if we have any problem with money. Something I found really interesting in America is that none of us ever think we're greedy. I saw a stat one time that said 80% of Americans think they're middle class. I don't know how good y'all are at math. That just doesn't add up. Doesn't work out. The truth is, you may be sitting there saying, well, how do I know if I'm rich or if I'm in poverty or what do I need to do? If you made it to church today, you're probably more well off than most of the people in the world on a global scale. Not to mention on a historical scale, we are in one of the richest countries of all time. If you've got a smartphone in your pocket or your purse or your hand, is that a need or is that something you're blessed with? If you own a car, if you have a job with a dependable income. Now, somebody in here, some of you in here, may not have a lot. You may evaluate all that and be like, I don't have anything. Amen. We're glad you're here. But I think a lot more of us in a place like Charleston are rich whether we would claim it or not. In fact, we might even be greedy. We might spend way too much time thinking about money and talking about money and worrying about money. We can't serve two masters. That's not Jake talking to you. Those are Jesus' words. So what do we do then? What is it that we're going to need here? Proverbs 10.2 actually reveals what all of us need. It says, ill-gotten gains do not profit anyone, but righteousness rescues from death. Righteousness. If I had $20 million in cash on this side of this platform, and over here I said, you have a righteous life, which one would you all take? If I said, just go take one, nobody's going to see you do it, you can just take it on your way out. I know in church we're like, we're going to pick the righteous life because we know that's the right answer. $20 million in cash? You're not even thinking about it? We should desire a righteous life because notice, righteousness rescues from death. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, anyone trusting in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Understand, everybody, more than financial gain, we all need righteousness if we want abundant life now and everlasting life with God. If this is true, by the way, which it is because we're reading it from the Word of God, 
then the prosperity gospel is bad news. And if you don't know what the prosperity gospel is, it comes in all kinds of forms these days. It comes from different denominations and different preachers and teachers, men and women, different ages. But basically, the prosperity gospel emphasizes the gift over the giver. Do we understand that? The prosperity gospel, rather than seeking righteousness, focuses on the benefits of righteousness only. If you've been told, well, I'm just a Christian, so I just got to have blessing, and if I'm not having blessing, then I'm just not being a good Christian, I'm sorry that you were told that, because that's not true. And that's not good news. That's not good news now or ever. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news now and forever. So if you're here today and you're saying, well, you're talking about all this money and righteousness and all, all this kind of stuff, but I don't need righteousness. Just show me the money, right? Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath, but righteousness rescues from death. Proverbs 11.7 says, When the wicked person dies, his expectation comes to nothing, and hope placed in wealth vanishes. We need righteousness. Because every one of us, one day, if Jesus does not return first, will face death. And even if it is when Jesus comes back, we will all one day stand before God. And he will not be impressed with what kind of clothes you wear, or what kind of car you drive, or how big your house is, or the location of your house, or what your position at your job is, or how much money you've got in the bank. He will be looking for righteous people. Now, there's a problem, though. We're saying, yeah, we need righteousness. We, okay, we need that. Obviously, wealth isn't going to do it for us. We get your point there. How do I be righteous? See, that's where it gets really tricky. Scripture tells us no one is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks God. Romans 3. You want to check that later. You're not righteous. I'm not righteous. We're born into sin, and we sin by participation. Scripture tells us that unless we're in Christ, we actually enjoy it. We like it. Which makes us unrighteous before a holy God. Which means, where are we going to find righteousness? Because even if I start doing the right things now, I can't make up for my unrighteousness. It's a trap. If that's what you think Christianity is, by the way, I'm, I'm here with good news. That's not it. We need a foreign righteousness. We need a righteousness given to us. That's the only way for any of us to be called righteous. I love the way the good news is summarized in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. If you're looking for a memory verse, by the way, that's one for you. That, that's the gospel in a sentence right there. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who enjoyed eternal joy and community within the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal past in heaven, all right? Has all the riches he needs, did not need a thing. Through him, all things were made by him, for him. And when we fell into sin, when we became unrighteous, God didn't say, oops, yes, I need to make another creation. 
No. Jesus looked on us with love. So much so that he left heaven to come to earth. He became a person just like you and me. He took on physical form. People could touch him. He got hungry. He got tired. He never stopped being God. But he took on a physical form so that he could live the righteous life that you and I could never live. You ever thought about Jesus' baptism? Jesus was baptized, by the way. And if you're here and you're thinking, well, baptisms, you know, for washing away your sins. Jesus didn't have sins. Yet he said, I do this to fulfill all righteousness. What's he talking about? He's talking about the righteousness that we would receive. If he's living the righteous life that we could never live, then he needed to be baptized so that when his righteousness is applied to us by faith, when we trust in him and receive his righteousness, we have an entire righteous life on our account. And our account is wiped clean. See, Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He was perfectly righteous even unto death on a cross where he died for us. He came to save us. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. Taking on our sin and our guilt and our shame before the holy God. And bearing the wrath of God for us on the cross. Shedding his blood that we might be forgiven, that we might be called righteous. And he died on that cross. Three days later, he got back up. We were just singing about this. And if you were just mumbling those words, I need you to rethink that. Because it's a big deal when somebody gets out of the grave after three days. He defeated sin and death. He came back, and now he's ascended to the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for his people now. And today, if you will trust in him, if you will place all your trust and hope in the name of Jesus, you can be counted as righteous. You can have abundant life now and forever. Does that mean money for you? Maybe. Does that mean poverty for you? Maybe. The point is, at the end, you'll get God. And you'll get to be with him forever. You will have riches beyond this earth in Christ. True, lasting riches that we can't get from money. Proverbs 28, 25 says, A greedy person stirs up conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Jesus Christ today if you haven't before. And if you have before, and you've fallen into the trap of money, repent today. Today. Don't wait. Leave that behind. Turn toward Christ. Run after him. Find grace. Find forgiveness. If he's blessed you with money, give it all away. I, I think of um, Zacchaeus. We little man, we little, little, little man was he. You remember learning that song? Anybody else in church? Nope, just me? Okay. Y'all should have gone to a Southern Baptist church in, in the South. It's all right. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree just so he could see Jesus, but he was a tax collector. But when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today, guess what Zacchaeus did? All this money that he got from unrighteous gain, he paid it back. And he paid it back beyond what he owed. Why? Because he found something better. He found something better than his riches, something that totally changed him. He had met Jesus Christ. I don't know if you'll know this, but there's an election that's starting up this year. Been a lot of talk about it. Um, not yesterday, Saturday, but the week before, we actually had the South Carolina caucuses here. Some of you may have voted. Cool. 
um, since then, maybe if you keep up with the news, you notice that like all these candidates are now pulling out. People are dropping like flies out there. Still, driving downtown this past week, I noticed that there were lots of political signs still up for people who had already dropped out of the race. Two particularly stood out to me. Tom Steyer and Mike Bloomberg. Why? Well, I'm trying to think about money and Proverbs. I'm trying to think about using money wisely and seeking righteousness and spending it for the glory of God. And I see these two men's signs. And CNN tells me that these two men together, Tom Steyer, Mike Bloomberg, spent more than $750 million on advertising alone for campaign races that no longer exist. But their signs are still downtown. There's still something left to remind us this money was spent. I wonder, when your race is over, what legacy will you leave regarding your money? Will it be wastefulness? Maybe it'll be generosity. We've got a good, generous church here, y'all. If this is your first time here and you don't know that about this church, this church will look out for people. I appreciate that about so many of you. But is that your legacy? Will you be remembered for wickedness with money or how you got money or righteousness? Matthew 6, 21, which is also Luke 12, 34, says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? If you say, well, I don't, I don't know how to say what my treasure is. I'm not a pirate looking for treasure. Okay. Where do you look for comfort? Where do you look for safety? What's the source of your joy? I hope that it's Jesus. There are people in here who that is the source of your hope, and I'm so thankful for you. And I know people in here who have that hope, who are in poverty, and I know other ones who are wealthy, and they're all still glorifying God with their lives. And that's what we should be striving to do. Today, if you haven't before, or if you haven't in a long time, look to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold our gracious and merciful God who is both the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. I pray that today we will find satisfaction in Jesus above all earthly treasure. I pray that today we will join this last proverb in prayer saying, give me neither poverty nor wealth.